Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. How are you doing? It is a toasty, what is it? I'm just looking at the temperature today. Look at let me. 84 degrees outside, uh, I think 85 inside. <laughs> it feels it feels 83 or 84 right now in the studio, but I'm got my backup air conditioner and a room far away going with a fan trying to blow it in here. We'll see if it works or not. So we're doing another new book today, and this will make a lot of sense and actually help you a lot if you were in the study last night or if you listened to it online because this is Amos. Amos lived during the time of uh, Second Kings. We were reading last night, 15, 16, 17, before they were taken away into captivity. So we'll, just, we'll get into that in just a second. But first, let's look at this day in history trivia. Let's see. New York blackout happened on this day, 1977, July 13th. When lightning struck New York City and it was plunged into darkness, 4,500 people were arrested. 61 million in damage occurred because of the ensuing riots. Can you imagine all the enemy, some adversary wants to create problems. They just knock out your power grid and everybody starts killing each other. Let's see. The Hollywood sign was put up on this day in 1923. Oh, so famous. So, yes. That we all need to know that. More importantly, the very first pie ever thrown in the face in Hollywood in a movie was 1913. A noise from the deep primaries. Okay, in the actress, Mabel Normand, throws a custard pie at Fatty Arbuckle, hitting him in the face, starting a long comedic tradition of throwing pies in the face. Mm. Okay. Civil War draft riots on this day, 1863, 50,000 people attacked New York City's draft office. About 100 people were killed in the next four days. Very sad. And the first federal law prohibiting slavery in the U.S. territory in 1787, long time ago, in this day, an ordinance was enacted banning slavery in the territory. It had the effect of establishing the boundary from the Ohio River all the way to the Appalachian Mountains and the Mississippi River. It established a precedent that the United States would expand westward, prohibit slavery, and it also guaranteed freedom of worship and trial by jury. Pretty cool. That's good. All right, now on to the dad jokes. Why was Noah the best business person in the Bible? Because he was floating his stock while everyone else was in liquidation. <laughs> if you're into finances and stock, that's funny. Um, why don't they play poker in heaven? Because Revelation says there will be no more dealing with sin. I found a webpage on Christian dad jokes, so I'll see if I can if I can bookmark that one or not, and keep that one around. So we are now ready to move into 
the new book, Amos Today, go back into Acts. Let's pray, and we will look into it. Father, we thank you for this morning and for your love for us, and we ask, God, that you would continue to to draw us ever deeper into our relationship with you. Just pour out your mercy on us, God. Give us a clear understanding of your word and help us, God, to be ever excited about these things that you're showing us as we grow in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So last night, very interesting chapters we studied about the basically the end of the Northern Ten Tribes, chapter 17, 2 Kings. And I mentioned that they had 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 God had sent his servants, we, that was almost the last thing we read last night, to warn them of their impending doom if they would not repent, if they would not come back to him. And we have this uh, Isaiah 6 um, vision of, of Isaiah in heaven, and he sees God high and lifted up, and, and he, he's given a message, go and tell them that if they will not come back to me and be healed, I will, I will devastate their land, and I will... I will move them out of the land. And so Isaiah, he, he's trying to give that prophecy. But the other servants, uh, Amos was one of them, and um, even Hosea. And we're going to read Amos today. And they think this was probably about 30 years before Israel's taken away by Assyria. Tiglath, pleaser. This is a, we read last night was 30 years after this book. And this is really fascinating um, because we see how often God tries to warn us to turn away from sin. That's what you want to get out of this. God is not mute. He's not far off. He is not unreachable. In just the contrary, he's always trying to reach us, but we don't want to listen. So this is Amos now, uh, chapter 1. And again, we're looking at God reaching through his prophets, trying to warn his people not to live like the world. Father, guide uh, guide us and bless us and help us understand these truths now in Jesus' name. I know I already prayed, but I just felt I needed to do it again. The word of Amos, who was among the sheep herders from Tekoa, which he envisioned in the visions concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake, he said, the Lord roars from Zion and from Jerusalem, he utters his voice. And the shepherd's pasture grounds mourn. And the summit of Carmel dries up. Thus says the Lord, for three generations of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they threshed Gilead with implements of sharp iron. So I will send fire upon the house of Haziel, and it will consume the citadels of Benadad, and I will break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitant of the valley of Avin. For him who holds the scepter from Ben-Aden, so the people of Aram will go exiled to Kir, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three generations of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they deported an entire population to deliver it up to Edom. So I will send fire upon the wall of Gaza and it will consume her citadels. I will also cut off the inhabitant of Ashdod and him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. I will even unleash my power upon Ekron and the remnant 
of the Philistines will perish, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord, for three generations of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because they delivered up an entire population to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. So I will send fire upon the wall of Tyre and it will consume her citadels. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because he pursued his brother with the sword while he stifled his compassion. His anger also tore continually, and he maintained his fury forever. So I will send fire upon Timon, and I will consume the citadels of Bozrah. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the sons of Ammon, and for four I will not revoke his punishment, because they ripped open the pregnant women of Gilead in order to enlarge their borders. So I will kindle a fire on the wall of Rabbah, and it will consume her citadels amid the cries on the day of battle and a storm on the day of tempest. Their king will go into exile and his princes together, says the Lord. Chapter 2. Thus says the Lord God for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not revoke its punishment because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. So I will send a fire upon Moab, and it will consume the citadels of Kiriath, and Moab will die in tumult with war cries and the sound of a trumpet. I will also cut off the judge from her midst and slay all the princes with him, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept my statutes. Their lies also have led them astray those after which their fathers walked. So I will send fire upon Judah, and I will consume the citadels of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not revoke its punishment, because they sell the righteous for money, and the needy for a pair of sandals. These who pant after the very dust of the earth on the head of the helpless, and turn aside the way of the humble. And a man and his father resort to the same girl in order to profane my holy name. On garments taken as pledges, they stretch out beside every altar. And in the house of their God, they drink wine with those who have been fined. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them. Though his height was like the height of cedars, and he was strong like oak, like the oaks. I have even destroyed his fruit above and his root below. It was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt, and I led you in the wilderness forty years, that you might take possession of the land of the Amorite. Then I raised up some of your sons to be prophets, and some of your young men to be Nazarites. Is this not so, O sons of Israel, declares the Lord? But you made the Nazarites drink wine. And you commanded the prophet, saying, You shall not prophesy. Behold, I am weighted down beneath you, as a wagon is weighed down when filled with sheaves. Flight will perish from the swift, and the stalwart will not strengthen his power, nor the mighty man save his life. He who grasps the bow will not stand his ground. The swift of foot will not escape nor will he who rides the horse 
save his life. Even the bravest among the warriors will flee naked in that day, declares the Lord. Chapter 3. Hear the word which the Lord has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family, which he brought up from the land of Egypt. You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a young lion growl from his den unless he has captured something? Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground when there is no bait in it? Does a trap spring up from the earth when it captures nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If a calamity occurs in a city, has not the Lord done it? Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Proclaim on the citadels in Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt and say, Assemble yourselves on the mountains of Samaria and see the great tumult within her and the oppressions in her midst. But they do not know how to do what is right, declares the Lord. Those who hoard up violence and devastation in their citadels. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, an enemy, even one surrounding the land, will pull down your strength from you and your citadels will be looted. Thus says the Lord, just as the shepherd snatches from the lion's mouth a couple of legs and a piece of an ear, so will the sons of Israel dwelling in Samaria be snatched away. With the corner of a bed and a cover of a couch, hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares the Lord God, the God of hosts. For on the day that I punished Israel's transgressions, I will also punish the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and they will fall to the ground. And I will smite the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will also perish. The great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. So, Second Kings 17, where he said, I sent my servants to you to warn you, and you didn't listen. And the whole thing of these first two chapters is God is proclaiming through the prophet to these ten tribes, look, I have judged, I am judging all the nations around you. For their vileness and how they've come in and conquered nations and done horrible things. They're not escaping my judgment. But he says, but you, you have essentially become like one of them, one of the foreign nations. And you have done the same thing. Gone up to these temples, uh, the Asherah, the, the, the false temples, and shared the temple prostitutes, the father and the son, the same prostitute whatever, to worship these false gods and done these horrific, horrendous things. Therefore, you're going to be wiped out. You're going to be taken away. You're going to be judged. And it's a call for them to repent. But Amos is saying, I see this as something that's coming. Just like Jonah, who went to Nineveh somewhere around this time, don't remember, probably previous, I'm not sure. Um, Yeah, would have been... uh, 70 years earlier, if this was 30 years before, because they had 100 years of repentance. 
uh, he went and said to, to Nineveh, hey, 40 days you're going to be destroyed. I mean, it didn't say unless you repent. He said 40 days you're going to be destroyed. But because they repented, because they put on sackcloth and ashes and were humbled, God relented. So this is the same kind of deal. Only here they're being actually told that to repent, and they will not. And that's what he says, Amos. is God says to them, you've hardened your heart. You won't listen. We don't want to go there as individuals. Acts 15 now, verses 22 to 41. Then it seemed good to the apostles and to the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them to send to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, Judas called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren, and they sent this letter to them. The apostles and the brethren, who are elders to the brethren in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, who are from the Gentiles. Greetings. Since we have heard that some of our number to whom we gave no instruction have disturbed you with their words, unsettling your souls, it seemed good to us, having become of one mind, to select men to send to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials, that you abstain from things sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication. If you keep yourselves free from such things, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent away, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Judas and Silas, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with a lengthy message. After they had spent time there, they were sent away from the brethren in peace to those who had sent them out. But it seemed good to Silas to remain there. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch teaching and preaching with many others also the word of the Lord. Verse 36, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Barnabas wanted to take John, called Mark, along with them also, but Paul kept insisting that they should not take him along who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So there occurred such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and left, being committed by the brethren to the grace of the Lord. And he was traveling through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. <laughs> well, being in church ministry, I, I appreciate the honesty of Luke, who's, who's writing this. It could be easy to, to use a little revisionist history and make the church always sound perfect. Oh, they did everything perfect. They did everything. There was so much love and harmony. They never had disagreements. Well, Barnabas, who's a very strong believer, Paul, obviously, super strong believers, committed to God. Godly men had disagreement, sharp disagreement. 
so much so they departed and divided. And of course, we note that this strengthened the work because now you have two two groups going out and had cover twice the area. So it was uh, a disagreement that produced a blessing, so you could say. And this does happen over and over and over again in churches. You have people in leadership and ministry that have disagreements. And that just maybe, maybe, I say that really questioning, um, God's way of, of multiplying the ministry. I don't know. I don't think we're supposed to do that. I mean, we're supposed to be walking in harmony. And, you know, how can two people work to get, walk together unless they agree? So I think, I think pride most of the time gets involved there somewhere. So they weren't perfect men, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas had a strong spirit of encouragement. That's what his name is. He loved to encourage people. Paul was deeply devoted to anything of the Lord to get the word out. He was a theologian. And uh, Paul was like, hey, you know, he took off. He abandoned us. I, I, I don't want to have that happen again. I want to worry about him if he's leaving us on his own. Who knows? But anyway, it's good that we can have these honest reflections on the church and who we are. Because there's always going to be people that will disagree with the, the, the direction that the pastor wants to take the church and, and or the missionaries, whatever, and um, go, uh, I don't want to do that. And you go, well, okay. God bless you. Go preach the word where God leads you. And in that, it's a good thing. There's, it's a good thing. There's people in your church, people in our church that have said, I don't want to, I don't want to agree with what you're doing or the direction you're going. I don't want to go where you're going. And you go, well, God bless you. Go serve the Lord where God is calling you then. And we need to be very gracious in that. And I know that um, we're human. The best thing you can do if you're in a church, serving in a church, is to do the best you can to walk with where God is guiding your leadership and encourage them and work with them and hold them up. That's, that's in my mind, the best way to go out of the church is when the pastor and the elders go, hey, man, you're doing awesome. How about you go over and start this Bible study. How about you go lead the prison ministry? How about you go lead the women's ministry over here and, and let's start a new work over there? And you go, sure. I, that's the best way. I like to see that it's the Holy Spirit that's encouraging the leadership to send you out rather than you going, I don't agree with you. It can produce blessings, but it's not always the best way to go. All right, Charles Spurgeon, for I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be for a prey unto thee, because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Jeremiah thirty nine eighteen. Behold the protecting power of truth in God. The great men of Jerusalem fell by the sword, but poor Ebed Melech was secure, for his confidence was in Jehovah. Where else should a man trust but in his maker? We're foolish when we prefer the creature to the creator. Oh, that we could in all things live by faith. Then should we be delivered in all time of danger. No one ever did trust in the Lord in vain, and no one ever shall. The Lord saith, I will surely deliver thee. 
Mark the divine surely. Whatever else may be uncertain, God's care of believers is sure. God himself is the guardian of the gracious. Under his sacred wing, there is safety, even when every danger is abroad. Can we accept this promise as sure? Then in our present emergency, we shall find that it stands fast. We hope to be delivered because we have friends or because we are prudent or because we can see hopeful signs. But none of these things are one half as good as God's simple because thou hast put thy trust in me. Dear reader, try this way. And trying it, you will keep to it all your life. It is as sweet as it is sure. Amen. Father, we do commit our life into your hands, and we do, by faith, trust in you. We know it's a sure thing, but we are tested in it. We all get there where we just go, God, I don't know if I can trust you in this area. This is just the one area I don't think I can, and it's the one area that you really want us to grow the most in generally. So we thank you for the lessons. We thank you that you are a faithful, powerful God. And we see this as we look into your Bible and into your word. We see how you provided for the church and you were strengthening the church and you were pouring out your love upon the Gentiles. And it was, it was not going to be about their works and about how they could appease you like all of these false deities and their sacrifices all in vain. But you said no greater burden than these. Just stay away from the the outward things that will really defile you, that, that the Gentile, that the pagans do, of the, the eating of blood and the things that just used to stay away from the things that are associated with the pagan worship and also from uh, fornication, from impure sexual relationships because that's not what it was created for. It's created only for marriage. So great encouragement, great things, great liberty in Christ. We thank you for all those things. We thank you for your love and we thank you for the ongoing work that you're doing in us. So I do pray, God, that everyone who is listening that is dedicated to reading their their Bibles, listening every morning, that you now be working in them to be those servants, to be those that come alongside those in their churches or be the ones leading in their churches and to find other believers and to continue to work, to continue to go to the places that need to hear about the free and liberating power of the God of salvation and encourage the brethren, strengthen the brethren as they also did. So we pray for that, God. Your ministry will continue. We do realize there's ongoing complexities in the world with Russia always looming to up the ante with tactical nukes and everything going on in Ukraine. We're so happy, God, that you have held that war at bay from turning into nuclear we're, we're, we're thankful, God, that you've not allowed China to invade Taiwan, that you've not allowed even uh, Iran to unleash its full fury on Israel. We know that you have a plan. We know that you, you are holding back the forces of hell until it is time, until probably the last of those that you have 
that you know will accept you to be saved are called up or called to, or have come to accept you. We know that you're, you are bringing in the last harvest. So we thank you for that we've not plunged into this third world war. We know we will, but we, we are thankful that hasn't happened. So in that, in, in up until that time, God strengthen the things that remain. Help Israel in its uh, need to defend its territories. God, if you're not done with the United States, God, fortify it to be a defender of faith, to be a defender of the innocent. Thank you for all the recent things with the trafficking of humans, the attention, the movies that are bringing. God, we pray that the, that the nations around the world would enact new laws to save this modern slave trade and protect the innocent. God, there's such a need for that. We know children are crying out that have been abducted. Just horrors we can't even imagine. So we want to lift them up and pray for your your hand of protection, bring them back. Thank you for the the um, officers, the the people working around the clock to help save these human slaves. And all of these children been taken into captivity for all this nefarious means. God, please just help these agencies and officials to find them and liberate them, supply them with the money, the intelligence, everything they need, God. And God, we pray there be Christians among them that be ministering to those that they find. So thank you for that. And also pray for those that are sick and hurting, that they're hurting emotionally with all that, that's been going on in the world that are lost. We know, God, you, you hold all the answers. So just guide them to the churches around them, to the people that have the answers and minister to them. Pray for Dean and Kim and their daughters that you continually bring in healing for these young girls so they can eat well, gain strength, and their brains can start functioning again. So thank you, Father, for this wonderful day. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are starting the VBS on the 24th. And if you want to help out, just write us a letter. Let us know any way you think you can help. That'd be great. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's it's always a blessing. We always see kids get saved. So with that, we'll leave you for today, and we will see you tomorrow, same time. Bye-bye.